Down to Business on Newstalk. Sponsored by Flowgas. On the grid, off the grid. Flowgas is Ireland's only supplier of LPG and natural gas, wherever you are. Now I'm delighted to be joined by Lord Billamoria uh, of Chelsea, CBE, DL, founder of uh, Cobra Beer. You're very welcome to the programme, Lord Billamoria. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now I'm very interested in your... In, in you and your person and your career, you were born in India, is that right? In, in Hyderabad in India. When did you come to the UK? I came to the UK in the early 1980s and I, I qualified as a CA, as a Chartered Accountant with EY and uh, studied law at Cambridge University and then started Cobra Beer. Okay, Cobra Beer was uh, concocted, is probably the wrong word, but in 1989 in a flat in Fulham, is that right? Indeed, we, yeah. it was a rooftop conversion. And my partner from India, from Hyderabad, Arjun Reddy, and I started, just the two of us, in our battered 295-pound Citroen de Chevaux, delivering the beer to the restaurants and selling it. Tell us about the Citroen de Chevaux. It, it uh, cost 295 pounds, and it needed push-starting every day. And if, when you were driving, if you looked down, you could see the road through the holes in the floor of the car, and it could carry exactly 15 cases of Cobra beer. So tell us about Cobra beer. Was that really the first sort of craft beer on the market? Yes, it it actually quite amuses me when people talk about craft beers today, and I'm all for the craft beer revolution. But Cobra is actually the ultimate craft beer because it's a very complex and intricate recipe with lots of ingredients, malted barley, yeast, water, three varieties of hops, double fermented wheat, rice, maize. It's really complicated really complex and this wonderful smooth texture and taste that makes it a rounded beer that goes well with all food. So you say the freshness of a lager with the smoothness of an ale, that's, I think that's kind of nicely captured. You couldn't have put it better. <laughs> <laughs> Is it manufactured under license and out in India? Where does the actual process take place? So we place? started manufacturing in Bangalore in India for the first seven years, then we moved the production to the UK and then also to Europe. Okay. And now we produce it in Burson-upon-Trent, the home of brewing in Britain. We also produce it in Belgium, and with my joint venture partners, Molson Coors, we have three breweries in India. Okay. Um, just to aim with the beer for a second, it's, it's like any journey or any entrepreneurial journey, um, particularly with a new product in a new market, uh, one has setbacks. Uh, you nearly came close to losing the business a couple of times along the way, Lord. Well, three times uh, I nearly lost the business. And it's tough. I mean, building a business from scratch is difficult. One of my favorite sayings is good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. Yeah. Uh, so there's no shortcut to making the mistakes and hopefully learning from them and dealing with crises. Uh, the thing about crises is they come out of the blue. But what was consistent looking back and reflecting on what happened was the three things that saw me through the crises each time were exactly the same. One was having a very strong brand, having a strong and loyal team, and the support of my family and my wife. And the third was doing it the right way with the values and integrity. Yeah. Those three things saw us through each of those crises. Okay. You might just maybe tell us about one of the crises. There was a trade magazine for Indian restaurants that boycotted your product. How did that come about? Yes. Well, there wasn't a trade magazine for the Indian restaurants when we started Cobra. So we had thousands of Indian restaurants around the country. And uh, so I started one with a friend of mine, and I was the publisher. And we started the trade magazine, which was free circulation to all the restaurants. And then the editor wrote an article that upset the restaurants when commenting on the service of the restaurants. And they boycotted Cobra Beer because I was one of the owners of the magazine. And then it took one year for that boycott to be lifted. It was a very difficult time. I had to downsize the company totally. It's very painful. Our growth slowed down from over 70%, 70% a year 
down to 3%. And uh, we nearly lost the business and we wow. survived and, um, and the restaurants lifted the boycott and we never looked back. Well, and, and as you say, crises of their nature and of that magnitude, they really do come from nowhere, don't we they? Could, we could never, ever have predicted yeah. that. If you'd asked me to list a hundred risks of yeah. things that could go wrong, I would never have said that was, that was a risk. That is amazing. Now, I want to ask you about your role in the House of Lords. Um, you've, you're one of the youngest people there at age, what, 50, mid-50s? When I joined 12 <laughs> years ago, I was literally one of the handful of youngest peers in the house. I think one of two or three youngest peers. I'm still one of the youngest peers because our average age is nearly 70. So how does it feel then to be the kind of the youth, uh, the youth side of the of, of the House of Lords? Well, the House of Lords is one of these highly underestimated and unappreciated institutions. Uh, the depth and breadth of expertise in that chamber is more than any other parliamentary chamber in the world, multiplied by many times. And part of that comes from the wisdom of the older members who've had enormous experience in just about every field you can imagine, former yeah. cabinet ministers to engineers, lawyers, medics, entrepreneurs, you name it, journalists, authors. The ex experience and expertise is phenomenal. Combined with some people like me who are still very engaged in what they're doing and running their businesses and their careers and you bring that real world experience yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis to Parliament. So I think that older wisdom combined with that day-to-day -day experience I think is very valuable to Parliament and to the country. You've been a great champion for students and again students who come to this country and allowing them stay. I think it was, was it Gordon Brown enacted some legislation that that you brought about that, that allowed a student stay, was it for two years after they graduated? Yes, I, I um, <coughs> spearheaded the, um, in Parliament the change in the, in the law that allowed foreign students in England and Wales to stay on for two years after they graduated and that was hugely beneficial. Having been a foreign student myself, had the ability to stay on and gain some work experience for two years to help to pay for your education, to build the bridges with the country you come from was so popular and then unfortunately the coalition government under David Cameron removed it in 2012 okay. and the number of students from India for example has more than halved since then. Is that right? What sort of numbers are we talking even roughly? Well, The number of students from India now is just 16,000 and in a country like Canada our direct competitor countries are the USA, Canada, Australia and increasingly European countries as well in the other three major countries like Canada, Australia and USA foreign students can stay on and work after they finish their studies. In Canada, the number of Indian students now is 100,000. Yeah, that makes a massive difference, does it not? And they, these are the best and the brightest. They are the people with the energy, the creativity. Well, who's running Google? An Indian. Who's running Microsoft? An yeah. Indian. Who's running Pepsi? An Indian. Who's running MasterCard? An Indian. Prime Minister of Ireland? Indian. Prime Minister of Portugal? Indian. <coughs> Soon the Prime Minister of the UK will be Indian. <laughs> That's great. Tell us about, and I know you've got, uh, you, you've, 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 you've got strong views on, on Brexit, but you proposed that younger voters would have the option to maybe overturn the decision to leave Europe uh, in after five years. Can you just walk me through your thinking on that? What I've said right from the beginning is that Brexit is a huge mistake. I think on balance uh, there is a lot wrong with Europe. I'm a great Eurosceptic in many terms. I think we're very fortunate not to have joined the Euro, for example. And in every way that you look at it, Britain has had the best of both worlds. We've been at the top table of Europe, the second biggest economy in the EU, and yet we've also had the ability to stay out of the euro and do our own thing. So 
we've had the best of both worlds. Our economy has done very well out of it. We were the second, well, we were the fastest growing economy in the Western world before Brexit. Today, we're a slowest growing economy in Europe. So there's no question about it. Brexit is very bad for British business, British economy, British citizens in every way. And I think it will be damaging for us in the long run. And my view is that the younger generation in particular, already two years' worth of youngsters who were not old enough to vote in 2016, who now have a say, 100% of them almost want to remain. So I think it's their future that is being taken away from them. And I think we should have another vote that gives people a say on the deal or no deal that the government managed to manages to negotiate, to say, you voted to leave in a very narrow basis, 52-48. Are you still happy to leave on this basis? Okay. And, and I think that's true democracy. And just very finally, Lord Billamoria, um, Brexit, uh, the customs union, are Britain going to leave the customs union and will it just be called something else? There's of course the chance that it'll just be a great British fudge and I hope that's not the case because the island situation for me is crucial. Uh, there should n be no border whatsoever between Northern Ireland and Ireland and in many ways now when I've been, I've been to both sides many many times, I love Ireland, I love Northern Ireland, it is like one country, seamless movement of people. Many people have dual nationality in Northern Ireland. Goods, services, capital, all freely flow. Yeah. And, and that cannot be disrupted at all. And there's no question of a border in the Irish Sea. There's no question of a border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. So if, if that's the case, the only way you can achieve that is A, by staying in a customs union, and B, also staying in the single market, which is why one of the amendments that I led in, we defeated the government 15 times in the House of Lords on the EU withdrawal bill. And one of the ones that I led was, as a least worst option, we should remain in the European economic area. Because right. that way, in effect, you're staying in the single market. Okay. That's the only way we can preserve the Good Friday Agreement and preserve the wonderful situation that we have with Ireland. Thank you so much, Lord Billamoria of Chelsea, uh, from the House of Lords, founder of Cobra Beer. Thank you very much for your insights. Really nice to talk to you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure.